and welcome to How to Win the Lottery Season 3 Internet Module. Things have gotten worse than since we last spoke and other maladies? That's not it. Things have gotten I think it's worse. Misfortunes. Other misfortunes. Let's get the let's get the title right. All right. Three, four, five, go. Things have gotten worse since we last spoke and other misfortunes by Eric LaRocca. LaRocca, LaRocca, what do we think? I, it's weird that you didn't question me on why I started at three, four, five, let's go, instead of one, two, three. You've said in the last 10 minutes, but we've not been recording, any number of things I could have questioned you on, I did not. That's the least of the issues. Nor should you. Um, I, <laughs> I should not be questioned. Happy Halloween. This episode comes out in December. Uh... uh but we write a spooky book for Halloween. We write a spooky book for Halloween. Hi, I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Shreds McNeil. McNeil. What? What? McNeil? Sure. You're giving it a McNeil. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's Irish. Uh, Shreds not Irish? Canonically not Irish? Canonically not Irish. All right, he's not McNeil. We'll, we'll think about it next time. Um, so this is... I guess the quick backstory of the, the the what we read is that this was available, I think, for a while as a short story as an audiobook. The one story, things have gotten worse since we last spoke. And then this year, the year of our Lord, don't tell that woman on Audible. That's not going to make sense. I cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> it's a disaster. It's good. It's a car crash of an episode. He then this year put out a collection with that and two other short stories. Um, that is the other misfortunes. And they're all thematically linked, as he describes in the afterword, as people craving community and connection and that sort of thing. Yeah, the first story is really uh, uh, relevant to, to the topic, to our module. Uh, the other two stories, not so much. I did uh, I did think it was funny that the second one, they're like, oh, no Wi-Fi, huh? I'm like, that's on theme. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's on theme. No Wi-Fi. No Wi-Fi. But yeah, so this is, you can get the collection on Amazon or wherever. You can also just get the audiobook for the one if you're interested in, like, following along and you're caring about the internet, just do the first one. The hardcover version of the first one is $54 on That's Amazon. a lot of money. For for uh, uh, a novella, um, I don't know if it was maybe printed an incredibly limited run or something like that, and then now it's like... A collector's item? Yeah, or something like that, or or yeah, I I just imagine that maybe they they maybe publish it as a chapbook or something first, and now uh, chapbooks tend to not be hard covers. I don't know. I know that when I looked for it on Amazon, it was uh, the one story available as hardcover was incredibly expensive. Because I think for a while I was trying to figure out how, because we weren't sure if we were going to, because when we originally put this together, I don't think the collection was a thing. It was not, yeah. And so we're like, oh, well, I'll just get the audiobook. Because I don't think at that point, mm-hmm. I guess not knowing the collection was coming, we were like, oh, let's listen to the audiobook. It's two hours long, whatever. And then there's this whole thing. We're like, oh, I guess we'll do that. Yeah. Um, we're mostly going to talk about just the one story. We'll also touch on the other two. But Bob, what is things have gotten worse since we last spoke about? Uh, I mean, sorry, Joey. <laughs> Well, well, we'll turn it back around. Shreds, please. Shreds. Um, though not McNeil. I don't know. I don't like that you tried to... to uh, You're shredding playing cards. That's for a future episode. I don't I, I don't like that you tried to... to uh, in, in your in your short time occupying shreds, I don't like that you tried to change the canon. It's like it's like you're you're the season four showrunner of community and you've stepped in and you're killing off characters. I don't like it. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So, Shreds, what is this story about? 
Uh, it's about a lady trying to sell an apple peeler on the internet. Yes. Uh, it is set in the year 2000. It's epistolary. It's all, it's mostly emails back and forth. Yeah. I was interested in the, in the, uh, what do you, what do you make of it being retroactively set? I don't know. That was like, you know, we're not talking to Eric LaRocca. Um, that would have been my main question because there's a couple things that are interesting of note here. Like it feels like it could be like modern day on Craigslist, Mm -hmm. but instead it's 20 ish years ago on a queer message board. That just feels like a place to like, kind of like maybe like maybe I misread it, but like almost feels like a precursor to Grinder in a way, where just like you, anything kind of goes. You can pick up people if you want, or you can also just sell shit. I do think that you're misreading it. I don't think I don't, I don't okay. think it's it's meant to be like Grinder at all. I think it's meant to be one of those places that is like like a community, like a yeah, safe just space. Is essentially like a place for people to meet on the internet, and because as unfriendly as the world is to. Uh, LGBTQ plus people at the moment, um, 2001, it was significantly harsher. Uh, but I think the internet was at that point providing a place where people from people who are maybe isolated in communities across America, across the world, uh, could find like people in message boards, community, community bulletin boards and things like that. I thought about why it was set back in time as I read it, and the only thing I could come up with that like had any merit in my own eyes was, and we've talked about this before, that the internet a while ago felt more honest, mm-hmm. and I think if you were dealing with somebody selling goods now, there would be a whole like, are you a robot? Like, what are you? Are you trying to like screw with me? Like, yeah. this feels like, and I think there's still a little bit of like you have to combat what the intentions are but i think that there's part of it just like this person is genuinely selling an apple peeler and this other person is genuinely trying to buy an apple peeler and like i think sitting in 2000 sort of cuts out the like what the internet has become Uh, if it's not that and i don't even love that as an answer but i don't have a better answer if it's not that i have no idea well i think it might also have to do with uh uh, like a stylistic choice of eric laraca too there's a layer of etiquette to their exchange in the beginning and formality in the beginning that is maybe speaking to a time when exchanging emails was a lot more like exchanging letters. Sure, yeah. Uh, And so, like, I think if you wrote this book now, or if you wrote this book or short story or novella, whatever we're calling it now, it would, I think in a lot of ways, I would would like it better because it would be more... um, stylistically diverse or like move away from sort of the standardized English that, that, it, that it's embracing. Uh, something that I think is interesting is the juxtaposition of a like truly uh, archaic analog device, like an Apple peeler with this modern sure. mode of communication uh, in, in the, you know, new world that we're new millennium that we're entering at this point. So like that, that was interesting to me off the bat, but immediately I thought, I thought, uh, like stylistically, there's an option here that you have an opportunity to do something with voice mm-hmm. because you're writing in in this message board and 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 instant messenger. And something that struck me as being strange was even in the in the instant messages. I know, like, you could maybe explain this away because it is like sort of this dumb sub relationship, but like there is none of like the cross talk. 
and things like that yeah. that you even get in text messages. So it feels very much like I felt distanced from the story in a way that it felt really like a story to me. It felt structured and and created um, in a way that it was someone writing with an idea in mind of what the of, of a plot that they wanted to get across and of how they wanted people to say it, but not so much the the medium with which they're choosing to say it. It doesn't seem to me like it could, this could be a novel that takes place in 1890 and they're writing letters back and forth. I don't see what the internet how, how it even really plays that much into it. I'm wondering, and I you did not read the you did not listen to the audiobook. I don't think Egg listened to the audiobook either. I think because she read all three stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering what the audiobook does with the like preamble yeah it's just the fitter happier voice because it would be it would it would probably double the length of the audiobook for no reason because it's just like from blah 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 to date subject. i'm sure i'm sure oh oh and also like in the instant messenger stuff when it's like the timestamps mm-hmm. and things like that like because i i, I had this That's moment because like i started when i was reading it i like read the first couple and i'm like oh this is just standard and I'm not saying like in a bad way, but just like okay, so it's from two subjects. Like that's I I understand. Like I I get what you're doing here, and then I just started skipping them. And I'm like, there's a real opportunity I think to like play with the form that he either might be doing that I'm not reading, but probably not because I read enough. That I'm just like I don't think it's gonna get weird, and it just feels like to I think to what you're saying, it's strange to set it in a time around the internet and then not actually utilize the internet's weirdness. Yeah. Because this book, because it, it's like 150-ish pages, but it it's pro- it, in live blog terms, it's probably like 40 pages. Yeah. Because like there's, a, it's it's mostly emails. Yeah. It's even. It's, yeah. it's a very, very, very quick read. Mm-hmm. What do you think of it overall? This one story. Well, let's talk thematics and stuff like oh. that before, before we finish. I was mixing it up. Before, yeah, okay. we, before we finish. I do think that this is, it's similar. I think the only book that we might have covered that is like this is like Secret History, where we know oh. from the very, very beginning that one of the main characters is dead. Yes, that's 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 true. Um, Which is interesting, but I don't know that it pays off because I think the bunny thing, like the first end of the secret history is just like something, something, something bunny before bunny died or after bunny died or whatever. Here it's just like, well, Agnes is dead and we redacted some stuff, but they don't really redact things. Yeah, and, and what they do redact, it doesn't feel like you can know what they redacted. Right. It's, it's not like an interpretable um, unless I unless I was reading it wrong, we'll give Eric Laraka the benefit of the doubt on on that one. Yeah. So the story is essentially in in, in the very beginning we get this uh, we get this forward saying like this is this particular like murder thing that or not murder but like a death thing that happened, and here are here's all the. Uh, correspondence between the two people involved and thanks to the police department and certain things have been omitted yep and it starts with one character trying to sell an apple peeler agnes is trying to sell an apple peeler on uh a message board message board to whoever zoe tries to buy that from her they start a relationship. Um, we learn that Agnes is in dire straits financially. She seems to have pretty low self-esteem. Uh, she came out to her mom and her mom disowned her. Yeah. And, and, and so in her quest to live authentically, she has uh, become impoverished. 
Zoe, however, we don't actually know anything about Zoe's life except for that she has money. And Agnes never meets Zoe. Agnes never meets Zoe. Zoe could be a dude. Zoe could be imaginary. Like, there's no... And I think that's interesting and also a little frustrating, maybe. Mm -hmm. Because this is all ostensibly from Agnes's perspective, but also kind of like neutral third person. Like it's not like it's all observing from. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's a perspective from it. I think, I think Agnes might function as some sort of protagonist because we're rooting for her and she's the one who kind of has a goal. I mean, I guess to that point, other than the preamble that says Agnes is dead, we don't know that Agnes was real either. Uh, like the same way that we don't know who Zoe is. We don't really know if if Agnes's story is true either. Right. I mean, I, I guess there's no reason to doubt that. I think, okay, so I think because the story doesn't really, because the story stays sort of true to, like, traditional epistolary formatting, and uh, because it's not stylistically inventive in the way that, say, like, B.R. Yeager's book is stylistically inventive, um, it doesn't seem to be pushing on these postmodern buttons to get us to question things like that. So my instincts are to say that all is as happens in the text. Sure. Okay. I don't, I don't think that it's asking us to, to sort of lean on any sort of unreliable narrator uh, tropes. Although I guess the idea that it, all this stuff takes place on the internet in 2000, like maybe it is already playing on that tropes in our head because, you know, what story do we hear over and over again right. when we were kids? But that chatting with random people on the internet, it could be, it was always, it was always like, that could be some dude. That could be some 400 pound dude that's going to murder you. Um, all, because like our parents, my parents, like in telling those stories, always, there's always a hint of homophobia in there. Like you might be talking to a dude, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, and then that, that sort of narrative blossomed into, into what we now think of as catfishing, uh, which as we know now is not, Dude, it is everything. Every type of person catfishes and 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 whatever. Um, does the does the story explicitly or implicitly or neither assign age and stuff to Zoe? I was reading her as similar in age to Agnes. I was too, yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember if that's actually said or not. Uh, I'm just assuming. Yeah, I don't remember either. She's probably. I mean. How old is Agnes? Do you, do you remember how old Agnes is? I would guess early mid twenties, probably. Early mid twenties. Okay, well then I would say Zoe's probably older than that. I would say because if you if you if you're at the point where you have fifteen hundred dollars that you can put in someone's bank account in the year two thousand, just out of the blue sure. like that, you are a person. That but has she said a that job. she came from money or something, didn't yeah. she? Yeah. Even if you, I yeah, even if you come from money, I feel like I don't know. You're right. Because the only thing we know about Zoe is she has money. The only thing and, we know about Zoe is she has money. And she enjoys what they call the master drudge relationship. Like, it's mm. the dom-sub thing, but it's just like... The drudge report. Yeah. That's your boy, right? I love him. You're a drudge guy. Love Matt Drudge. <laughs> He's dead, right? That sounds right. I can't Google it. I think, yeah, I think he died. I think he was stung to death by bees. Really? A la, a la real. <laughs> <laughs> you know how, like, the guy who invented the Segway died while on a Segway? I didn't know that, but okay. There was a guy that just died this week... I mean, we already said this is Halloween week, um, who in the 90s was like very vocally like, you should be able to ride a motorcycle without a helmet. And like he died riding a motorcycle without a helmet this week. Like he crashed and hit his head and died. So, uh huh. you know, yeah, just like Matt Trudge was like, bees are terrible. <laughs> yeah. Or good. Le- well, he, he specifically he was like leftist bees are terrible. He was OK with the sort of right wing bees. Well, they're more productive. OK. Yeah. 
liberal bees just want a handout. Okay, master drudge relationship. Sorry that I detoured. I'm not sorry that I detoured us. Let's... No, it's better than the podcast so far. <laughs> so Zoe starts like, hey, I want you to wear, I want you to go buy a red dress and wear a red dress. I want you to not wear underwear to work. I want you to like, and just like, there are things that you could see someone just kind of getting off on, whether it's just like erotically or just like a power dynamic. And Agnes seems to be doing all of it. And Agnes never says no until she says no, and then she comes crawling back. But she's just like, yeah. this is all okay, basically. So Agnes feels, um, I think, I mean, I don't, you know, I this is not, I don't really have any familiarity with the, like, world of BDSM or the psychology of it. Um, but, like, I think the, 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 like, some of the idea is that, like, this kind of... Uh, enslavement or um taking orders in this way can be empowering can feel empowering because it's like it gives you purpose it gives you purpose you're no longer like she is essentially she's trading one master for another right because like it will be no surprise to longtime listeners that i was reading this book from a marxist perspective and it was just about the like like uh uh, wage slavery to me kind of sure because she goes from being this person who can't pay for her rent to um a person who is essentially uh in debt to to uh zoe because zoe pays her rent like there's no reason for her to be turned on by zoe there's no they don't have any sort of erotic relationship at all until zoe pays her rent and then it becomes you know you're so kind. How can I repay you? Yep. And so, like, their their erotic relationship starts with, uh, like, a value, an exchange of, of money. And it continues because she's paying her rent. She has control of her finances. So, really, she's just, like, moving through the motions of, of alienation that we face in, in, in different labor circumstances. Because we don't get the sense that she has any other friends. Her family's been cut off. It's mm-hmm. It just seems mm-hmm. like she didn't have a job, maybe? Like, she was just kind of, like, in her apartment all day. Yeah. And then was only selling the apple peeler to make money. Right. What we know of her is that she wants a baby, because that and the, that's, like... You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to attribute wanting a baby to capitalist impulse, but it is... There is, like... Um, there is this way that in in which she is desiring something that, especially in two thousand, it was a lot less attainable for someone who is living authentically as a gay person in America sure, to yeah. to achieve. Because um, she she's you know she wants to quote unquote live authentically and and like whatever efforts have been made now to allow that to happen um, don't exist then, so it seems less realistic. Um, and her desire for a baby, I think, also, like, kind of falls along the lines of, like, desiring this idea of family, desiring this idea of stability, desiring this, uh, like, normalized existence. That she almost, like, do you think it's like she wishes things were different? I mean, she wishes things were different. She wishes she had money that she didn't have to, like, sell things to just get by, but, like... Yeah, she wishes that she were part of a uh, world that accepted her and that um she could thrive in right the apple peeler is is significant because it exists symbolically as something from like an older time right um and she's been removed from that the possibility of that older time because the older time is really only accepting of a certain kind of person and that certain kind of person is not you know it's not her and so choosing to live authentically as is like a 
there's a dialectic between living authentically and achieving your dreams in this circumstance. Um, so what you have is you have Zoe acting as a like a boss in a capitalist circumstance where she sw- swoops in for exploitation because right. she has the means to to allow uh, Agnes to achieve her dreams. Um, and the dreams of just well, it's not even. I don't think it's her dream. It's just that she doesn't have to be. She doesn't live in fear, right? She just has to. She is. She is taken care of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which maybe that's her dream. Maybe her dream was just to be loved and be. Yeah, and the, and the baby and the baby because yeah. because like to, to even in two thousand when it was obviously incredibly difficult uh, uh, to be a gay woman, I'm one hundred percent sure that it was significantly easier to be a rich gay woman than it was to be a poor gay woman. I mean, money makes everything easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, it's 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 an equalizer in in a lot of senses. I mean, she's still a marginalized group in a lot of ways, uh, no matter how much money you have. But you know, money removes you from one marginalized group, which is poor people. So, so you're not doubly marginalized, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a or triply marginalized, right? Because they're also women. So sure. there's like, you know, an exponential uh, oppression going on. So Agnes wants a baby. Zoe says, to basically to prove that you can take care of a baby, go to a park, find a salamander, keep it in your pocket all day when the sun sets. Uh, I don't, I don't, no, that, I don't think that's related to the baby. I think so that, that's like about rebirth, right? Well, the salamander is rebirth, but it, but it, she like it, it comes about when she wants the baby. It's not using it to prove oh, okay. that she can take care of it, but she's like, I want a baby. And she's mm-hmm. like, well, this is what we're doing now. Yeah. So maybe it's not because of the baby, but I think it's in response to the baby. Okay. Maybe. Maybe unrelated. Keep a salamander in your pocket all day. When the sun sets, smash with a rock. Yeah. Which we just talked about an episode that's going to come out in two weeks about Neuromancer, about, like, making wet sounds in the dark. And I felt like this is a similar kind of, like, squishy, just like you can kind of feel when the salamander squishes. Yeah, I don't want to smash a goddamn salamander with a Agnes doesn't want to either, but she, you know, is in love with Zoe or whatever. And then she thinks about it, she's like, I'm done. That's too much, I'm out. And she terminates contract. She writes the email, just like... Healthiest thing in the book. And then a month later, she's just like, I'm so sorry, can we do this again? Yeah, and I'm wondering if that's because her rent is no longer getting paid or just, like, the crushing loneliness of not having anyone to reach out to. Yeah. Both of those things, all of those things, and Zoe jumps right back on that train. Yeah, she's like, sorry that I didn't respond. I've been busy with work, but of course I want you back. And then Agnes tells her, I think, the story of the little Christ. Yeah. Which is only noteworthy because... Right. The next story is also about crucifixion. Yeah. Laraka loves a crucifixion. The boy loves a crucifixion. So then Zoe talks about a dream about like nuclear fallout, pulling the plug on Agnes to whatever end, maybe just to freak her out. Who knows? But then they come up with a plan or Zoe has a plan that she tells to Agnes for Agnes to actually have the baby, which is to have a tapeworm. And this is disgusting. This is like. It's pretty gross. I think, you know, obviously horror can kind of be anything. I think as someone who likes horror movies, I think I have a sense of what it is and what it isn't. And I think a lot of this is not necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily call it horror. Uh And then this, I'm just like, oh, this is like gross. Like this makes me feel a certain kind of way where I'm just like, yeah, yuck. Like it's, it's a visceral kind of thing that much of this otherwise hasn't been so far. I can sort of see why it gets classified as horror 
in the whole like creating the tapeworm and the steps needed to create that tapeworm in your body. Yeah. And also, you know, people, it has never explained to you about like when he had a parasite. I don't from, Maybe. Yeah. He's, he, he like, he has a really crazy story about like being on a plane coming home from, I think, Thailand and he had a parasite in him. And he said like, the entire time that he was like trying to sleep on the plane, he was having like the most fucked up dreams he'd ever had in his whole life. Like, cause it was like his body reacting to like this weird thing going on inside him going like, what is this new thing that I don't understand? Right. Um, yeah. Very like totally just weird, uh, weird stuff. Maybe we bleep out the name there so that, uh, not everyone doesn't know that one person had a parasite. I'll bleep out know. the name. That's fine. It's also funny to bleep out names. I lo- bleep technology is the best technology. <laughs> But she puts this, like, pork in the backyard, lets maggots infest it, eats the pork. And I don't then... even think it, – it's also not that easy to give yourself a tapeworm. I don't think you can just, Well, she like... seems like it doesn't work, and then it actually, like, eventually Yeah, I don't hits. think you can manifest a tapeworm like that. Also, have you have you read My Best Friend's Exorcism? No, what's that? A uh, book by Grady Hendrix, um, who wrote Horror Store. Did you read Horror Store? No. You would love Horror Store. Um, I, I, I'm not Googling. I'm just writing it down. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, in in my best friend's exorcism, they the uh, I think a girl like you can buy tapeworms and just eat the tapeworm. Um, but I feel like in you know to that end, in this point, that's not what this is. This is about yeah. the creation of life. That's it's, like adopting a baby. It's also yeah, okay. Good point. Yeah, good point. It's also not about creating life. It's about one person messing with another person. Sure, but right. I think I, on on the surface, it's about creating life. It's about from whatever. from Agnes's from Agnes's yeah. point of view. It's about creating life because Agnes immediately, once she realizes that she has a tapeworm, she's like all in. She's like, "This is our baby," right? Yeah, proving that she's like worthy, right, or that she is responsible mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, or that her body's sacred and it can and it can hold on to and nourish something, right? Because that's like, in some ways, how we. The stereotypical feminine idea. Yeah, we, we we like perform femininity through through nourishment and and like you know a lot of a lot of people if you ask them like like especially a lot of like turfs if you ask them like to define womanhood like they'll talk about having a baby as if like that's the only way you could be a woman. Yeah, as if like not only like obviously like what they're saying is that trans women aren't women, but like also what they like are saying without meaning to say is that like there's all sorts of women who can't have babies and like that that's they're you know whatever those people are fucking idiots uh she goes to the doctor doctor's like you got a tapeworm you did it congratulations zoe loves you now none of that happens she has it and then agnes is just like or zoe's like i think i'm good yeah this is too much you're you're like you shouldn't have done that I, i i shouldn't have pushed you to that um, et cetera, et cetera. And then Agnes passes the tapeworm and then seemingly just like cradles it until she dies. Yeah. As you do. As one does. Yeah. Now, what would you, oh, so, so, so what, you know what, what, what I was waiting for here, or maybe I should, I should phrase this like the thing that confused me about this was the like avoidance of opportunity to develop characters and develop voices. Like I feel like we don't know anything about Zoe. And th- and that's that's by design. I right? think they also like to that maybe to that point they write very very similarly. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true for sure. For sure. Like you can't even like in terms of like misspellings or different like 
geolocate like certain like regional dialects or whatever like it's all just like it's very formal even on i am they're all like it's all capital letters and stuff like that like, yeah it's, and full, it's all full sentences no like the letter u yeah etc yeah um i was expecting like in order i you know it's it's you, you shouldn't judge a book on what you want it to be rather than what it is um but i would have liked to have seen zoe's motivations a little bit extended a little bit more um whether or not she actually had done the master drudge thing before or whether or not she was just like a cruel person taunting someone opportunistic like yeah. in in a way that like you know if it's just someone messing with someone else that's almost like a more interesting story to me but like i have to know that like you can read into zoe and you can read into why she does what she does and who she is and what she has mm-hmm. and the means to what she's able to whatever it's all guesswork. Like, there's not even there's no hints. It's just like, okay, yeah. I would like to. I would like it more if it. I think that I would like it more if it were. Uh, if the characters were developed further, and if it were more in tune stylistically with what it means to write an epistolary novel on the internet. Um, like, I think that's what's frustrating is that this whole season has been internet books, and I think like, you hadn't read this before. I had not, no. And, like, Ballpark, you probably already read, like, a third of what we've read this season. Is that about right? Uh, no, I no, more than that. Half, maybe? Yeah, yeah, probably. But, like, that means, still still means, like, half, I'm, this is leading to a compliment, so yeah, you yeah. should have said, I've read none of it. <laughs> right. Um, but, like, for the half you haven't read, like, most of it is, like, it's, it's using the internet in very interesting ways. Yeah. And this is, like, it's just on the internet. Yeah, it's 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 repurposing the epistolary form, but not doing anything new with the the, the new technology. Right. I mean, the IMs are are, but like it's not, you know. The but they may as well be an email. It's just like it's a more rapid exchange. Email yeah, back yeah, and forth. yeah. It doesn't seem so much like uh, it doesn't seem like it's utilizing the voice of the technology in a way that like I was emailing in two thousand. I remember what it was like, and and it was you know. Because I think the also the IMs like the most interesting the most interesting iterations or like sequences of IMs are the longer form storytelling, which are basically an email told over IM. Yeah, but like you're saying, there's no crosstalk, there's no back and forth, there's no like whatever, just like be online. I think to to a, to a, to its credit, maybe it's saying that like you need to be online tonight at eleven. We're talking at eleven, like you see the, the timestamp; it's like eleven oh oh thirty or whatever. So yeah. like you can see that they're adhering to that. Yeah, but in terms of like pages and pages and pages of IMs in your story. There's no real end to it. It's just, mm-hmm. this also, is how talking. Also, like, from an epistolary point of view, I would have liked to have seen a, like, interruptive voice. Like, I would have liked to have... I, I, this may not... Again, having it set in 2000 instead of current day, but I would have liked to have seen, like, notice of termination email... Or all the or, or other things like oh like when Agnes is fired yeah like I or other voices uh, you see like uh, and this is character development stuff but you could see what it was like for Zoe if not Agnes because Agnes's isolation might be key but what it was like for Zoe to talk to other people on the forum for Zoe to maybe to... maybe Agnes sending emails to her mom and not getting responses or something like there's there's a lot of ways you could do things with that right mm-hmm. and yeah I don't know again I'm, I don't. You know, I want to I want to judge the book based on what it's trying to do rather than what I want it to do. But I think that what it I just think what it could have done 
to make it more satisfying for me personally is sort of explored the various avenues of electronic communication and the various voices that exist within the context of electronic communication. Uh, and that's the last time that I'll say that because I feel like I'm, I'm beating a dead horse. No, but I think like, I think what's frustrating about this, and I think this is not fair to the book, but it's the same thing we've talked about in terms of other podcasts I do about like watching every Tom Cruise movie or whatever, mm-hmm. where it's like, you're, we're reading this within the scope of an internet story. And I think if we were just reading it as a horror story or as a queer story or as whatever, I think be like, oh, it's cool that it was on the internet. But I think when we're focusing on the internet element and that doesn't feel satisfying, I think it's... That's a good point. Yeah, we might be judging it on on our like particular criteria for this thing rather than on its merits as a story. But on its merits as a story, I still think the characters are underdeveloped. I agree. Baked. But I just think that like the specific focus that we're taking to this and why we're covering this at all uh, underwhelms us. A little bit, and I think it's maybe clouding or making things a little bit more harsh. Because I don't think it's bad. I just, you know, I think it's okay. Yeah, uh, I'm not a fan. Better than the second story. Do you want to talk about the enchantment? Do you want to read Egg's email, or do you want to read read Egg's email? Okay. So as far as I know, I've not read this email yet because I don't read her emails in advance. She could say anything, and I won't know until I read it, and then maybe edit it out. She's a real loose cannon, is Egg. Yeah, sometimes sometimes she's like uh, given given out like bank account information and stuff like that for powerful people in the world, and we have yeah. to we have to. She's always she's always trying to infiltrate the podcast with dangerous radical anarchist politics. And the scary of sixty first was about her life. Yeah, and not like she's she's trying to bring she look egg in your emails to us. Stop trying to bring down Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, we. Joey and I think that he's dead. I know that you keep including in your emails the things that you are going to do to bring him to justice. Cut it out, because we're not going to read that part. We've never read that part of the email, Egg. We've never read it. I read it once, and I had to edit it out, and it was it was double the work. Yeah. All right. Let's let's hear hear anyway. Let's hear it minus the Epstein stuff. We have an email address: lottery at Kate. Lottery at cageclub.me Meg's reaction to things have gotten worse since we last spoke and other misfortunes. I really feel like her writing the whole thing is just like Birdman, parentheses, or the unexpected (laughs) virtue of ignorance. Yeah, Yeah. what's with that guy's titles, man? I just, I I want to... In Ritu? Yeah, I would like to kick him in the solar plexus. (laughs) The Revenant's a short title. That's true. All right, I take it back. I don't want to kick him in the solar plexus anymore. What other ones do you have that are weird? The new one is weird. What's his new one? It's not out yet. It's not out yet. These stories, Eggs, has definitely weren't my favorite we've read this season, but I'm glad we got more or less a spooky book in for October, even though I have no idea when this will air. Egg, don't concern yourself with when this is going to air. We don't even know when this is going to air. Yeah. Happy New Year, by the way, everybody. Oh, she writes in about all three. Actually, today, if this comes out when it's supposed to, it's my birthday today. We'll, we'll use, uh, when is your birthday? What's the date? December 15th. Okay. And what was the name of your first pet? <laughs> and mother's maiden name and the street you grew up on uh it, we'll, what we'll do is we'll use her uh talking about the second and third story to launch pad cool mcquack into it launch pad mcquack mcduck what'd you say <laughs> yeah, i'm pretty sure it's launch pad mcquack shut the fuck up joey <laughs> Quit being so critical of me all the time. This is the first episode we've ever recorded where Bob is fresh off his day of work, and so it's a different... Uh, Shreds <laughs> is off his day of work, so it's a different attitude. Things have gotten worse since we last spoke. This was a short and sweet horror story. It's like 150 pages long, but okay. 
that relied mostly on shocking descriptions of gore. I was expecting there to be some sort of mystery with the spots where it wasn't possible to tell what was, quote, omitted, which we talked about just kind of, you know. Yeah, a real, real missed opportunity there, Loraka. It seemed like the entire story hinged on how disturbing the acts were, because as readers, we don't see any depth of the characters we talked about. We don't know why they do what they do. I think that I would have enjoyed the story more if it got more of their lives outside the emails and messages to each other, or at least could make sense of why those actions may have made may have made were reasonable, quote unquote reasonable for those characters. Yeah, I think I again I think I think fleshing out the world via other epistolary texts within the I I don't think we need to go to straight up narrative outside of that, but I think fleshing out the world of this message board where mm-hmm. they've met really would Yeager style would help this. Yeah. Again, I think yeah, I think you can map this onto Amygdalatropolis and and see like a, a different version of this yeah. of this novel. In addition to that, Egg says the emails and messages felt very surface level. I didn't really believe either character had strong feelings for one another. It was a lot of showing, not telling. Yeah, and not understand why they had strong feelings for one another because it's like well, we know a, why Agnes cares because it's the first person to pay attention to and, her, and, and and there's a capitalist impulse. But it's essentially like um, it's essentially like uh, wear a red dress, wear lipstick, leave your underwear behind, sleep naked on the thing, and then it's like, it, but it's it's like because this takes place in a, a fairly like truncated period of time too. So like, you know what I wanted? You know what would have been good? I and and like I don't even particularly care for this kind of writing, but it would have made sense here. Like there should have been a couple again. I'm, I'm dictating to the to the to the novelist what he should be doing, which is a bad bad form for any kind of critic to take. So uh, you know, take this with a grain of salt. But like, we should have gotten like a handful of really like smutty messages, like long form sm- where where we see their their relationship yeah. growing, and it's like developing a a lust that is like transmittable into some kind of love instead of like one or two acts of service to 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 prove the the drudgery i I think in in the defense of what's there. I don't know how much we actually need to prove because I think we we can know we know what each is getting out of this. Agnes is getting attention paid to her, even if it's not genuine. She doesn't know that. She doesn't, I don't think she cares. Yeah. And her finances are taken care of. Like the the biggest the two maybe the two biggest things in her life that she is not happy about are handled. And Zoe, probably possibly some kind of sadist, uh, no, is, I'm definitely is sadist, yeah. fucking with someone. And even if Agnes actually isn't doing these things, all you're seeing is the emails. And, like, you're still yeah. getting off in a way that just, like, I'm able to make this person, like, even if they're not, like, going out to the park and killing a salamander, she's still writing an email about killing a salamander. You know what I mean? Like, at the very least, you're still making her do things. I guess also this is what – this is, like, like, part of my thing is, like, she's not getting enough for her money. In this, no. like, it's it's like she's paying $1,500 a month. I do, it only lasts, it doesn't last very long at all. Do you think she's related to the man in the third story who just is giving a $100,000 bets? I, I hope so. Um, they, just, they just have too we much can money. Go, I, I, I'm, I, I'll, I'm happy to talk about that story. That was my favorite piece of writing in the book. Um, but, like, she gives $1,500 and then however much, however long it goes on for, like, her rent for the next thing. And essentially she gets, like, one picture of a girl in a red dress and a dead salamander. Mm-hmm. 
and that's it, right? And like the knowledge that someone is sleeping naked. Like again, if this had been expanded to to the point where like we learn how this lust grows, and like if she gets her to do a bunch of stuff, so it's like it's like this uh, crescendo. Mm-hmm. There's no crescendo. It's just like you quit your job, you kill a salamander, you get a tapeworm. And also, the other thing is that like Agnes emails to Zoe, and it's like I'm out. And then I think maybe Zoe's like, you know, I wish this wasn't the case, but I respect it. Or maybe she doesn't even respond. Like, there's, there's a very, like, it, it seems like Zoe doesn't care either way. Yeah. And, again, maybe that's something that we could get in the more what's not there. But it feels like she's just like, yeah, all right. And then Agnes is like, please take me back. And she's like, all right. It's just like yeah, she could take it or leave it. Yeah, like, it's like she might have. You know what? You know what? Uh, like, Zoe could have ten relationships like this going on at the same she time. She probably does. Right. That would be, like, that's an interesting thing thought too again we've talked about this before i don't know if this season or not but i feel like this is a maybe maybe we haven't talked about it in here maybe it's a movie thing another podcast but like i feel like it's about the wrong person like the zoe story is more interesting than the agnes story yeah that's that's a... but again it's not really told from either perspective it's just it's mm-hmm. the third person but we're because i think it's prefaced by saying agnes is dead we're reading from Agnes's perspective. Right, but I want more of, in a very, like, Freedom of Information Act type way, I want I want to pull the records on all of Zoe's other interactions. Well, also, I right? also think that, like, we don't know, like, Zoe doesn't say what she does ever. Agnes mm-hmm. is like, here, like, Zoe's like, go do this. And she's like, here's how it played out. We're not, like, Zoe's not like, I went to work today, I did this, I did that, or whatever. It's just, she's just like, do this, drudge. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay, continue with the email. Enchantment. So this is very briefly a story where scientists have proven that the afterlife is not real. Uh, a, a fascinating concept that I like would love to see an entire novel about that is like brushed off within. I misread that sentence, and then like I read the rest of the chapter. I'm like, wait, hold. The afterlife is real. Then why are they? Oh, afterlife isn't real. But there was like a period when I was reading this, it was like, oh, but yes, because like all these suicides, and I'm like, oh, because people are like they want to go to heaven. It's just like, oh no, they're just like there's no point. So. But yes, afterlife isn't real. A couple on the verge of divorce. Their son is like a, for lack of a better word, religious zealot. Uh, kills himself by crucifying himself in his bedroom. Says in a suicide note, for me, stay together. Yeah, which is a, a hilarious prank for, for a kid <laughs> to play on parents that want to get divorced. It seems like the dad's not living at home. Uh, yeah. Like they're already like on the outs. Uh-huh. And... We then fast forward like six months, and they go. He gets a job on an island, and the wife comes with him. Like The Shining, like The Shining. Yes, I thought that. And then just a kid shows up, and maybe he's an angel, maybe he's a demon, maybe he's just the son of the man. Who knows? Hey, here's what I thought it was. I thought it was a kid who, uh, he's supposed to be the son of the man. He has a picture of himself with the with the with the husband's first wife, which we did not know until that's brought until up until that I guess. moment. And, mm-hmm. and then he, like, totally uh, cucks this dude and sleeps with his wife. Which he does. Yeah, and I was like, that's a great I, – I, like, I love I love that angle. Just, like, make that the whole thing. I, we complicate it with angels and people dissolving into the ground and trees and, and ghosts and things like that. And it's like, just make it a story about a son cucking his dad. That's, like, real internet fodder right I there. Wonder, I really do wonder if, like, because this is horror still. Uh-huh, yeah. I wonder if there was, like, a mandate or, like, he had a book deal that, like, write a horror story. And he has, like, oh, I want to do this thing where, like, heaven's not real and people know that. And then there's, like, this, like, love triangle. 
oh, but I got to do horror. So like, it what seems, if he's an angel? And what if it's based on the afterward that you made me read right before we started the podcast? Which aren't I, you glad which, that I, which I didn't read? Yeah, I am. I'm glad that I read it. It seems like that's the thing that like the intersection of faith and and like wanting to believe and being incapable of believing seems like the thing that Laraka is most interested in in this entire right in this entire book. So this kid shows up, and the wife is like, I don't think he is who he, like, she goes, she bends over backwards, because she's like, I think he's an angel. Like, he had a feather on his shoulder, and his back's a seraph. And that's like, all right. And then she, like, goes, she, like, goes to the ends of the earth to, like, make him happy, and then she gets pregnant with her husband's baby, whatever. And then she's like, no, I think he's actually a demon, he's trying to kill us. She, like, spurns, scorns them both. She breaks her ankle. They go that whatever. This is another long story. I'm this is to... exactly how I felt about it. When the, what you just said, where you said whatever, that's well, cause, exactly. Because I was I talking to Egg. I was like, "Did you read?" I'm like, "Where, where did you get? Like, where were? Where are you right now?" As I read this, and she's like, "And she was basically exactly where I am." I'm like, "Okay." So I, at this point, I'm just like, "Okay." So he's an angel. So what? Like, what do you do with that? Like, I'm okay with him being an angel, but it's just like, oh, he's an angel here, and it felt like. And her her email says. It feels like a lazy critique of Christianity that doesn't do anything. Quote, couple stays together for people who was cruci- person who was crucified. Woman believes in the afterlife, even though it's been proven to not exist. Christian woman is a hypocrite and believes what she wants to believe. It was too heavy handed. Because then it's proven that it's not real. And then the story ends with the husband dying. With it, and with it being real. Going to heaven. And yeah. then Sarah being like, nah-uh-uh. Just like Newman in Jurassic Park. Nah-uh-uh. Uh, you don't get to do that. You you don't Wayne deserve. Knight. Newman is Wayne Knight. Yeah, okay. you don't deserve to go to heaven yet. You have to stay here. You can't be reunited with your reunited with your family. So it's like it's like the story starts out with this premise. It starts out with a premise. Science is proven, and then at the end, it's just like, psych. Premise was bullshit. That's the whole thing. Yep. So like, I don't know if the point is to be a good person. Yeah. No, thank you. No, thank you, Laraka. I don't know if the premise is nothing matters. Uh-huh. I don't know if the premise is wouldn't it be cool if angels were real? Yeah. And then it becomes a shining where there's like ghosts around and then like things coming up from under the ground like a swamp thing and it's like okay and then she's like a, she's a literal ghost and she's like I'm right here. Can't you hear me? And then she says it like eight times. There's like no, you're a ghost. Like you realize by now you're a ghost. Yeah. Uh yeah, moving on. I don't. I don't. I don't care about that story at all. It's very long too for what it. It felt long because compared to the previous story, which read like gangbusters, it's about the same length, and it just it takes longer. Yeah, I heard most of it in a McDonald's parking lot. Cool. How's that? It was all right. The third story is like thirty pages. The These McRib for... is back. Well, pork is really cheap right now. Yeah, I ate McRib. I tried to. Not... I've never had a McRib. So I don't. Yeah, I've. I. 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 Um. Very rarely eat pork. I try to not eat pork ever anymore. And then I I saw the McRib and I was like, fuck it. The McDonald's here has like a two-line, not bulletin board, but you know like the, the marquee where it's like the advertising like whatever? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's intentional. If it's intentional, it's the best marketing I've ever seen. But they basically have like two different things, like two different messages that they're saying. But like you can read them together as one, like it's a, a weird non sequitur. It's like... McRib is back, apply today or something. So it's like two different messages, but like the way that so you you're applying for a McRib. Exactly. It's just like, I love it. That's great. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta like write in advance, get a letter of recommendation. It's, yeah, it's get, very get funny. Give me that, give me that McRib, baby. 
So this third story is about 30 pages long. There's no chapter breaks. It's just like 30 page sprint through called You'll Find It's Like That All Over. Uh-huh. Egg says this was the weakest of the three stories. I disagree. It felt like the story should have been about the dangers of greed, but then it kept going on and on about, quote, politeness. Uh-huh. And it felt like the theme being shoved down our throats was, quote, people will take advantage of your politeness. Yeah. I think even if they put that thought out there, it would have been fine, but it was the repetition and the, quote, telling instead of, quote, showing that made me dislike the story. All in all, I felt like these three stories lacked emotional depth. Well, let me tell you why I liked the third story. It was just like a real old school Roald Dahl style slash Alfred Hitchcock's mysteries yep. type story. And like because it hews so close to like that sort of traditional kind of storytelling, it scratched an itch that I that I uh you know, that that's there. Like I like that kind of thing. And so um you know, the creepy old man making a bet and then doubling down on that bet multiple times, like and and then it's like, you know, there's a possibility of death like there's something about that that i really uh like i really like because it's almost like a children's story it's like a it's like baby's first twilight zone like there's nothing supernatural in it but you're like yeah. oh there's gonna be a twist like there's not a twist uh-huh. which is i like i think actually i like that there's no twist it's just yeah. like yeah, yeah it felt also and maybe i misread this but it's like it's two gay couples right like it's the it's like it's two men from different gay couples that like live next door to each other mm-hmm. is that right um pink yeah i guess so but, like, it felt, like, almost like a critique of, like, suburbia, like, because they're, like, on this cul-de-sac or whatever. And, like, I thought it was going to be that. And, like, it's not that at all. Yeah. It's just, like, this younger guy is, like, annoyed by the older guy because he's, like, standoffish, uh-huh. finds a bone, literal bone, in his backyard with the guy's initials on it. Like, it's a very weird message. Yeah, it's, it's pretty weird. I, I, you know, not even reading into all that stuff. Uh because I didn't, I, I didn't. Well, I, I steered away from that, but I thought it was going to be that. Yeah. It, it, At this it point, I was that. pork drunk, and I like I couldn't. I was burping because I hadn't had, I hadn't, you know, the pork was doing all sorts of weird things. On the to last my episode, which is the next episode, you were just talking about wanting to sleep better and how diet was a big <laughs> that's part true. of that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay, you're right. You're right. Shit. Well, the McDonald's shouldn't have brought back. This is what happens when you live in a food desert like me. Um, I live and it's like right by me. It's just like Wawa, Taco Bell, McDonald's and, uh, Bob, you'll find us like that all over. Yeah. Anyway. So I, I like that story. Um, I found it. That deserved more. What? I just used the title of the story to prove the point. It's like that all over. Yeah. So throw like when you're doing post-production, throw some trumpets (laughs) on it or something. (laughs) You don't need me to acknowledge. Yeah. You have the power. You have the power here, buddy. You don't need me to acknowledge but it. Every, that's why I need the mixing board out, because then yeah. I have the sound effect. I would actually play next season. We're going to have the mixing board. Yeah, you keep saying that. All I want is my Andrew Dice Clay. Oh! oh. And the Bartman. Do the Bartman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, can't. Wait, what, what's the what's the song he sings? Well, there's the I Didn't Do It one. Yeah, I Didn't Do It. Yeah. I had gotten my YouTube Watch Later playlist down to a manageable amount. One of those videos is basically how to use the soundboard. And then I got busy with other stuff, and I added a whole bunch of videos on there, and now I'm back down. I've worked my way through, but I'm back down to a manageable amount, still including, I've still not watched, the video for the soundboard I spent $600 on. So. Pretty crazy. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But we got 30,000 followers, listeners. 30,000 listeners, yeah. So it's, it's a drop in the bucket. But for the next season, I want to see this season through with this little guy 
And then the mixing board, when it sounds crazy next season because it's all like AM morning radio. I want the listener to know that when Joey said this little guy, he gestured at his penis. I did not. <laughs> anyway. Um, I, I like this. I, I like the story, I think, the best. I disagree with Egg. I think that th- I think to a you certain... You like the story the best, too? I like the enchantment the least. Yeah. I think... Sorry I said that thing about your penis, too. I think... I like the enchantment the least because I felt like it was on the nose and it was just like, I don't, I don't enjoy it. Like it just, because I think what I like, that should be the one I like the most because I think I've said on here, I've definitely said in other podcasts that my favorite thing in liter in like in, in storytelling is like analyzing religion and belief from like an outsider kind of perspective. Like the leftovers and lost are almost explicitly about belief. And those are my two favorite shows okay. of all time. And I love the like, why do you like? Why do you find like just the whole like questioning of it and like people like it just it, it I I can't explain it. X Files too, kind of X Files too. Yeah, specifically yes. Um, and I feel like with that in mind, this should have been the one for me. And I'm just like, mm. I think you'll find us like that all over. I don't really have ways to improve it. I kind of like it as just like a short little thing. Um, I think the first one, things have gotten worse since we last spoke could have or maybe should have been my favorite of the three and i think specifically because we were reading it for that and it just yeah. it, it it missed in certain ways i feel like maybe i like the first one more but i ha- i like how do i say this i like more things and dislike more things about the first one than the third one yeah i think the third one's just kind of like a nice like sort of like i think this story. is i think you're speaking like the exact same language that i am here which is that the third in in, in the third one it's like what i like about it is that it's um, that it's simple. It fits into a nice little yeah. little thing yep. that we don't have to. But but then my my criticisms of the other of of the the first story is that like I think that it could have been more. Yes, I agree. And and uh, like I the, I, the I, first one should have been the best of the three. Like I'm really interested in the the uh the idea of two people who have never met having this dom sub relationship on on the internet and the various ways in which identity plays plays into that internet identity the identities that we construct for ourselves through online personalities as opposed to our like uh physical selves you know and it also like scratches that itch of of being critical of of the capitalist impulse uh, for me, so I think that there's like there's a lot in that story that I that I like, um, and I think the style of it keeps me at an arm's length. I actually just realized as you were saying next, I agree with all that, but I realized another reason maybe it was set in 2000. It's before video chatting was really accessible, because I feel like hmm. Agnes being like, "Can we just Skype?" No, yeah, well, that's like people are still getting catfished, man, and I don't know. I, and and part of it is like I'm not. Part of it is like because I think people kind of want to get catfished. Yeah, like that. that that's well, I think, like where I think it's at. The people who get catfished are desperate for something. Yeah, and it's like it's like even if they're not like they're happy to actually get that relationship in a way, even if it's not from the person. Well, there's like you know that documentary, The Imposter. I don't. So it was about a family, I think maybe in Texas, whose like 12 year old son goes missing, and like mm-hmm. four years later, this like 40 year old French dude is like, "It's me. I'm back," and it's objectively from the outside insane it's like how could you possibly imagine this dude who looks nothing like your son is clearly a grown man 
is the 12 year old from four years oh, ago. Oh, but the family wants, yeah. Because it's just like, it feels a need for us. Uh-huh. And like, they don't come out and say that, but just like, it, that's what you take from it. It's just like this, like we were broken. Yeah. And now we're whole again. And so I think, yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point. I think that's exactly how catfishing works. And it's very, 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 very sad. Mm-hmm. But also like, if that gets you through something. Like Dear Zachary said, you ever see that one? I hate that. <laughs> oh my god! I watched that documentary because people yeah, were yeah. like, "This is going to break." Like, this is the most. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, uh-huh. "This is horrendous." Like, yeah, why yeah, would anybody? Yeah, yeah. Why would yeah. anybody want to watch this? Why, why would anybody write this story down and pass it out to the masses? In yeah. order to because we like sadness. I mean, we're talking about it. I'm, I, I brought it up because I like. I'm interested in. I'm interested in the depths of like that sort of type of sadness. Did you see Titan? Julie DeCunard. Yeah. It's kind of also sort of mm. the imposter-ish uh-huh. as well, right? Yeah. Um, if if people are going to read one, I don't know if you can just read the third one, but probably just read. It's like that all over because it's 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 kind of fun. Like it's kind of like a little like a. Yeah, and if 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 Eric Laraca happens to listen to this and he wants to to email in, to, I know he, uh, I know he's a busy, busy person. We did reach out. Yeah. Um. Uh. And and if any of our critiques are unfair. Um, here's a list of things that he could maybe make fun of me for. Uh, not crazy about my body. Uh, eating too many McRibs. I'm eating too many McRibs. Uh, I, uh, uh, you know, I'm a 39 year old man. I, and I, uh, don't have uh, any love in my life. Uh, what else, Joe? You want to roast me? You got anything you want to put on? This, put is, on this, so, this table? is so sad. You no. Put on this table. Uh, you know, I'm, um, I've, I've risen to a moderate level of, uh, of success, and I don't see myself succeeding anymore after this. So, uh, you know, uh, take my criticisms of your of your well received story collection to to uh, with with the most minimal grain of salt, and know that I'm actually a very unhappy person. Call back to the to the Megan Boyle episode. Uh, we can't find success at Hooters. We don't know what success looks like, but we are striking out every single time. Or you you still think it's successful? Uh well, it's, it'll it'll be successful once. It, people recognize that we're regulars at Hooters. That's all that matters to me is to become a regular at Hooters, which all you have to do to become a regular is to keep going. So I, Up, I'm update since the last time we spoke about Hooters on the Megan Boyle episode, we had our first repeat waitress, not a glimmer of recognition in her eyes. <laughs> Good. That's the way I want it. I don't want to be, so this is my dumb sub relationship. I don't want to ever, I, I, I want, I want like, uh, people at Hooters to, to look at me and, and like, I want to keep trying to be a regular, I don't want it to ever happen because I want them to, to like never recognize me. You know what I say? We're going to Hooters tonight. Are we? We've decided that. that I think we okay. have to. All I right. think that's the I think that's the premise of this podcast now. <laughs> we're we're gonna walk in there, we're gonna say table, not a booth. Yeah. And oh, you're say, gonna say table, not a booth? Yeah, that's that's the mix up tonight. And I'm gonna say this waitress. Keep reading. Wait, hold on. He pulled a fast one on me there because he did it before the crime. Uh are you actually gonna say that to the waitress? I really don't think you should. If the opportunity arises. I don't think you should say that to a waitress. She's like, what? We're like, we have a podcast. Yeah. What's the deal with Hooters? Like, uh, What's uh, the deal? Oh, God. You know what? I'm not even going to continue the thought. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. <laughs> um. Ah. Crime? Yeah. To, to today's crime is uh, uh, doing that thing where you saw off the top of a meter. Oh, that's a cool thing. It's a cool crime. Coolcrime.com.